1: Live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or... Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com.
0: Hello and welcome to the Heats House aka Group Chat. I am Justin Barrier. Joining me, as always, Rob Mahoney. And the crypto bro himself, big waz. How, how are you handling the downturn in in FTX, my friend?
2: Yeah, man, I had all of this for this good old sweet Spotify money in FTX, and so I'm I'm down <laughs> bad, y'all. No, just kidding. I, I have I don't get involved in that crypto stuff. Um, but apparently, hey, man, uh, Elon Musk. He got a DM from them folks and literally broke down in the DM why it was a sham. <laughs> He's like, not interested. This is so clearly a sham. And here's how and why. Um, so yeah, I guess shouts to Elon Musk for getting one thing right. <laughs>
0: how does he have this much time? I don't know. Like I I, I can barely make time for this podcast amidst all of the various slack messages I have going on, but this guy just stays getting involved in many things he shouldn't.
3: This is already like a thousand percent too much Elon Musk content on this podcast.
0: It's true. But, Let's shuffle uh, I, along. Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens to 20% of the NBA arenas going forward here uh, because the <laughs> crypto industry just, does not seem to be long for this world. So insane. Uh, but this podcast, soldiers on, my friends, we because we, we do not have a sponsorship. Thankfully, question mark. Um, we today are going to take a snapshot of the league after one month of NBA basketball, I should mention we're recording this, first of all, on Tuesday afternoon, not Wednesday morning as we typically do. So if anything happens in the Tuesday night games, that is why. But today we're going to run through some of the best of a month of basketball, best player, best team, etc., cetera, et cetera. Uh, First, a little bit of news at the top. Uh, we have an email address and we would invite our large impassioned group of listenership to email us, I think one, we would like to hear from you guys, because I think there are a lot of you out there. And I have actively deterred personally, most people from communicating with me in any form, uh, particularly on Twitter, particularly in my DMs. But I would like to invite everyone to this safe space that we have carved out to do so. Uh, And two, we sold an ad against it. And so we, we now have to do it. We are contractually obligated to do it. But... I think this could could be good. The email address is suggestionboxgc at gmail.com. We're going to call the segment Suggestion Box, hence the name. Suggestionboxgc at gmail.com.
3: Are we eligible for this too? Like if I just want to know something about your personal life, Justin, can I just drop it in the Suggestion Box (laughs) and you're obligated to answer it?
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. This could just be getting to know each other just a little bit more deeply. It could be like a therapy session. I like that. Okay. Okay. So at some point down the road, when we get some good responses, we'll break out that segment. Maybe not next week, maybe not the week after, but we'll get around to it. But on today's agenda, the one month survey, let's start right from the top here from best player. Uh, so first of all, we should mention that everybody in the NBA is now scoring 30 points per game, uh, which makes this exercise particularly difficult. And, Specifically, it's it's eight players who are in the 30 range. We have Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Shea Gildress, Alexander, Steph Curry, Giannis, and KD. So uh, the NBA is kind of running amuck here with with big-time scorers. But, Rob, who is at the top of your list for best players so far? Is it one of these guys or is it someone outside the uh, the oodles of points that are being scored from some of these guys?
3: I mean, let me flip it on you two. Like, can one of you explain to me how it's not Giannis? You know what? How is that not the open and shut answer?
2: I, I love that you said that because um on our weekend show, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I stole a JV idea hmm. that I that I uh very snarkily poo-pooed when he presented it to me. <laughs> that's <laughs> a, interesting. That's a,
3: that's a suggestion box in action right there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, me and Michael Pina dis- discussed our MVPs, and his was Lucas, and mine was Giannis. And it's because Giannis is doing all the stuff on offense, the heavy lifting, but he's also probably one of the two or three best defensive players in the NBA as well. And so once you, like, factor in all of that production, I don't see how it's not him, right? And, you know, I did get a little concerned, Charlie, about Luka's usage, and it felt very similar to Westbrook in 2017, and I'm not doing that mistake again, Uh but the the problem with that argument is it's a little hypocritical cuz Giannis essentially has the same exact usage rate right? <laughs> actually i think he's beating him no 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 he's a, he's um about point 2 less in usage right um but giannis is doing this without chris middleton we know what this team looks like when they're whole it's not just giannis being spammed all day whereas What's happening in Dallas feels like this is just what they're going to do and who they're going to be, and I don't think it's sustainable, and I don't think healthy NBA offenses and teams can run that way. Yeah, Luca's Luca's getting the
0: popcorn. He's, like, applying the tape to ankles. He's doing literally everything.
2: I'll I'll be honest
0: here. I automatically disqualified Giannis and Joel Embiid. What? Because they've missed games. And because we are (laughs) dealing with such a small sample to begin with, and we are splitting this, the tiniest of tiny hairs, I had to find a way to, to, to really set some parameters here. And three games is like, what, like almost 15% thereabouts of okay. the Bucks games? No, you, you sound like you're trying to stop the steal right now.
3: Like, we can't do Dropbox ballots anymore because Giannis is winning.
2: Okay, but I want to know who's your, who's your pick, if that's the case. So I had two down here.
0: I had Luca ultimately, for the reasons you kind of poo pooed there, was he is doing literally everything 34.3 points a game, leading the NBA, 8.7 rebounds, 8.1 assists. And also, he's doing stuff on the defensive end. Like he's giving a lot of activities, giving a lot of oomph which is hasn't happened before. And it's a big reason why the Mavs are 10th in defensive rating. Um, And I also had Jason Tatum down here, a little bit tougher case to make, but he's been the best offensive player in the NBA, like based on some measures, because when he's on the court, the Boston Celtics are scoring 121.1 points per hundred possessions, which is quite incredible. Uh, Probably not giving as much, on the defensive end as you would think and you would think going into it as I did that like the, the case for Tatum was he's a two-way guy but the the Celtics are actually worse with him on the court defensively but those are the two that I narrowed it down to
3: yeah Boston too overall like has not really been up to snuff defensively and that's yeah. where the Bucks separate is Giannis is everything you need him to be offensively as was outlined not dominating the ball in terms of every possession every second of it which I think to Luca's credit, like he's stretching his talents and his skills as far as they can possibly go. But what Giannis is doing is sustainable. It's healthy for overall team dynamics. And it's a lead on both sides of the ball. Like he's doing everything that they possibly could ask him to do in this moment, including giving it up sometimes and letting Drew Holiday and even Javon Carter and some of these role players who are stepping into bigger spots for the Bucks right now, highlighting Brooke Lopez even more this season than they have in a long time offensively, letting Bobby Portis sing it's just working in a way for the Bucks. They're like I know we want to talk about the best team conversation too as a part of this. Like Giannis to me is the best player, and him plus a, a defense that's that elite, I think ties the Bucks into being being the best team to this point.
2: Yeah, and what Luca's doing is crazy, right? Uh, and it's unguardable. Uh, if 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 Dallas spreads you out um, with five shooters, or even you know just a great pick and roll guy. Uh, it, it, that's that's poison for you. You're either gonna single cover Luca, or you're gonna leave a a really good shooter wide open, which is just you know that's that's death for any any defense. However, and I know this might not, sh- this probably sh- maybe shouldn't be part of the conversation, but I don't think you can do that <laughs> sustainably and win big. And so, it and I don't like. I feel like I'm disparaging this guy for being incredible. By saying it feels a little gimmicky, it just feels regular season-y is what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, you can get away with this in the regular season and you can put together um, incredible stats, but this doesn't feel like real winning elite NBA basketball style to me. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Luca proved me wrong and, you know, in a given series... He's a matchup nightmare for whoever he goes up against, and he'll just beat everybody. I just don't know that he can carry that burden um, long term. And so that's why the style, I feel like I got to dock him for that because I don't think it's real.
0: Yeah. Well, stop me if you've heard this before, but they do have an award for playoff success, Called the NBA championship. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is the one month survey, and I think over the course of the month, luca has been a dominant force. And I think one caveat I would put to Giannis, and I'll just like I'll reveal: I have the Bucks as the best team, but I don't have Giannis in the mix for for best player. I kind of split it that way.
3: Ridiculous. Um,
0: well, <laughs> also, also I want to point out here, like to your point about there
3: being a separate award for the playoffs. What you asked us to do here was not pick the MVP. You asked us who the best who's, player Who's is. the best player? Just because you guys complained about it last week.
0: <laughs> this is how we win,
3: Justin. This is how we
0: win. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, what I was going to say before was the Bucks are 24th on offense, and now they've had a lot of injuries. Middleton hasn't played all season. Both Holiday and Giannis have both missed three games. But, like, I don't know. Like, if, if they are winning on defense, do we have to start giving credit to a Brook Lopez, some of the other guys they've worked <laughs> in there? Obviously, Giannis Hell is a big yeah. part of that. Um, he would probably be three or so on my ballot if I did want to include him in, in bead. but you know, I think based on the results, which is also how I do all of these awards, what we have seen and the statistics that they have provided, not projecting out or like all this other stuff, Luca would be my guy. Bucks would be my best team.
3: I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you. Obviously on the bucks as the best team was, was who's your pick for that.
2: Man, um, just a little ringer homerism. I think the Celtics are the best team, um, in my opinion. It's not just the record. It's that I think they have... Like, I'm watching the OKC game. I actually watched that this morning, where they come back in, and beat OKC at home. And that's a loss for the old Boston team. OKC is so hot from three, and they're giving the effort. And the Celtics are kind of just like, ah... Whatever. But they just figured out a way to pull it out. And I do think they have a certain playoff uh, proven championship level medal together that they've developed. I think the Bucks developed it last year, you know. Um, after having won the championship. And we saw that and how they were able to give Boston everything that they could handle while being severely shorthanded. I think Boston is that type of team now. So it's not just the talent. It's like on the nights where you're not supposed to pull this thing out against a OKC team that I'm going to bring up later Uh, that's playing above their heads right now. Like that's, to me, that's an indication of a team that's got something special. And, you know, they're... Freaking uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex hasn't even played yet in, in Robert Williams. And I know that that's like a open question as to what his in- injury status is even going to be when he comes back. But to me, Boston, with the collective medal that they've earned together, plus the talent, uh, and yeah, just coming out the gates with all the crazy shit they had to deal with in the offseason, I'm, I'm Boston right now.
3: They feel pretty deep right now, too. Like, like to your point, Waz, about them coming back in some of these games or holding up in some of these games, they're getting just, like, really good minutes from Derek White on some nights. They've Like, they've gotten really good stuff from Malcolm Brogdon in oh spots. Oh,
2: my God. Uh, let me tell you something, Rob. There were, like, three possessions in the fourth quarter where he just picked this bullshit Josh Giddey spin move. I was in heaven. Heaven, I tell you. <laughs> Can we also
3: uh, shout out Sam Hauser, who has like a scary good on off right now? Like there's just something going on in terms of like the value he's giving as a shooter that's working. We'll see if that holds up. But when you have all of that stuff clicking and you're getting the good version of Marcus Smart and you're getting high effort, really focused Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is one of the best players in the world. Pretty good
0: formula as it turns mm-hmm. out. So the Celtics by record are the best team in the NBA as we're recording this. They're 11 and three uh, and they're doing so mostly on offense, best offense in the NBA with a bullet. I mentioned the Tatum stats, but just overall, this, this feels like a team that has identity shifts. We talked about this a couple episodes ago, but without Robert Williams there, they're a little less sludgy and they're a little less imposing at the rim while they cycle through guys like Noah Vonley and Hauser in the front court. But this is starting to look a little bit more like a Jason Tatum team than it ever did before. And like they're going as far as he's, he's bringing them. They're a little bit more flexible. Little worse defensively, which is surprising, as I mentioned. But I, I think there's like the the ability to, to identity shift so quickly and embrace Tatum as is, is the focal point of what they're doing has been really impressive. There on um, another and team, I, think, I just and break... I think they do
2: have gears on defense. To your point, they're doing it on yeah. offense right now, but they have an ability to turn it up when they need it need to. And yeah, man, I used to call Jason Tatum John the Baptist. I think he's creeping up into that. Messiah category, (laughs) y'all.
3: Just some Uh, fresh sacrilege out here on Group Chat. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) The other team I just want to mention briefly to get your guys' thoughts here, the Cavs, based on some of the advanced metrics, are the best team by net rating, point differential. Uh, How do we feel about them? Because they started off strong. I think they've lost, what, four in a row uh, at the time of this recording. Rob, do you... Are you sold on the earlier version of the Cavs or are you a little bit more worried about some of the recent results?
3: Oh, no, I'm I'm really sold on the Cavs. And a lot of those recent results too, there's little asterisk, asterisks here and there. And they're, they're just kind of like regular season results. You know, Donovan Mitchell's out for this game. They're missing guys for that game. Just kind of a tough schedule loss in this other one. So there's some of that stuff is happening for them right now. Long road trip. Yeah, exactly. So like I, I chalk those recent losses up more to those kinds of things, especially when you look at, like the fundamental data, a lot of the material evidence to date is that Donovan Mitchell has been one of the great surprises this season. Has just been a, a clear standout league wide, and then defensively, we know who this team is, yep. and the fact that they have all those things already in place, and now they're working Darius Garland into that mix. Who looks and great, we, by the way. Looks oh great. Looks God. like looks like one of the, the the great point guards in the NBA he's, at this point in the season.
2: He's, he's one of my three favorite guys to watch right now. Just. He's so much fun with the creativity and just he could fill it up from wherever on the floor, which is cool. And I watched that Golden State Warriors game and I was like, look, man, the Warriors pulled it out on some Warriors shit on some like we're like five, four time champions. And we've been doing this for a while together and we know how to pull these kind of games out. But on talent, I think the Cavs are just as talented as them. I'm not even trying to be, like, hot takey or anything crazy like that. I'm just like, yo, their starting five against – their best five against Golden State's best five is neck and neck, which is crazy because I didn't think that would be the case this year. Um, I'm really, really impressed by what the Cavs have. They're young, so they have a lot to figure out, Um, you know, in in high-leverage possessions. Against the best teams, you have to have a a laser focus. And young guys tend to not have that all the time because they just haven't been there. They don't even know what the hell to focus on half the time. But man, on talent, they are, they're scary, dude.
3: Yeah. If anyone wants to jump ship off the bandwagon after a couple of losses, please do. Like, no, I mean, we'll we'll take the leg room, we'll
0: take the elbow room. I'm cool on here. You're in economy class, just load it up. I'm loving it. Um, Since we're already talking about surprises here, positive ones, let's jump to number three on our list. Uh, The biggest positive surprise player or team. uh, Is there any other answer than the Utah Jazz here?
3: I don't think so, but we can probably kind of keep it shuffling just because we've already talked about the Jazz a lot. I feel like we've sung their
0: praises. Sure. Let's just briefly mention 10 and 5, third in the West, uh, fifth best net rating. Fourth best offense in the NBA with Laurie Markinen, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, and the gang just doing it. Just absolutely incredible. They've even lost a little bit lately. Walker Kessler's still. like a real
2: guy. He's freaking yeah. huge, and like plays his ass off on defense. Um, yeah, that that's that's really cool. Uh, as far as teams that I think is surprising for me, it's Indy. Yeah. Uh, shouts to Ben Matherin, fellow great Haitian that he is. Neck and neck for rookie of the year. Halliburton is. I. I think. I think I liked Halliburton, but I'm becoming like, oh, oh, I'm becoming a fan of this dude. This he's season, a guy, right? Yeah. he's a he's a guy. He's a guy. Like he is, he is advanced at a lot of things. Um, at his position, and that's really shown in the style of play, man. These dudes are running it down people's throats, and it's just incredible to see. Miles Turner, you know, (laughs) in a year where he's literally making eyes at other teams, he's killing. And I think Turner Hive has been vindicated um, this year so far. And and, and so Indy for me is another one of those teams that like, I'm like, holy shit. I thought it was going to be a bunch of young guys and they were going to try to figure it out. And they're still in rebuild mode, but they're good as hell. Did we mention on
3: the pod Miles Turner's interview with Woj, where he no. openly talked about trading himself to the Lakers? Yeah, Did we yeah, talk we about this?
2: We he's never not got just making it.
0: eyes. He's making <laughs> literal overtures for them to come and trade for him.
2: It was un- it was unreal. He was like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you got a guy who can do X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, I, who's to say? <laughs> and
3: that that's the second or third best player. <laughs> on a team that is dramatically better than the Lakers right now. Yeah. Like to, to the Pacers credit, the reason in this conversation, six and six to date, lottery level talent with a break even record and performance right now, they have a better net rating than the Warriors, the Clippers, the Timberwolves, the Bulls, the Lakers, your Indiana Pacers, lady and gen- ladies and gentlemen.
0: Wow. Um, do you have any other teams you guys want to talk about or can we flip the players? I
3: think it's them. I think it's mostly the Pacers, but I like. I do want to zero in a little more on on Ben Matherin because hmm. he's been making some moves. Where I saw when they were playing against the Raptors the other day, he has the ball in the perimeter and just leaves Scotty Barnes in the dust. Like he just has a lot of slink and shake to his game where he can get by guys. And I think what's most important, he's really fluid as a scorer and as a shooter, but he isn't. One of these guys who can only shoot when he gets a couple of dribbles. And he isn't one of these guys who can only, only score. Shoot, cap,
2: catch and shoot, right? Exactly.
3: He's in that sweet middle ground where he can score from anywhere, pretty much any way. And that's why he's perfect for a team like this that doesn't really have a lot of the infrastructure yet. Dude, like there's a reason we're talking about him and Tyrese Halliburton and very little else, right? The, like a lot of fluidity, these other pieces. Yes, exactly.
2: The fluidity of the pull up is crazy. Sorry to interrupt. And um, he's getting to the line. That's why I'm just like, whoa, 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 hold on. He's a rookie, and he's already getting to the line, quote, unquote, easy. Like, you know, when when you're not the size of Paul George and Kawhi and LeBron, and you're a wing, where people often get scared about your efficiency, it's like, are they going to be able to score in the trees? Are they going to create enough space To get quality shots off, are they going to force people to foul them? right? Like when you, you know, you might just end up being, you know, just a microwave kind of guy when you don't have that elite size on the wing. But this dude, without the elite size, is, as a rookie, figuring out how to get to the line. Again, the pull-up is so fluid and sweet. Oh, Ben Matherin, my goodness.
0: Yeah, I encourage anybody uh, who likes reading words to go check out Zach Cram's write-up on Matherin on the Ringer from a couple of days ago. His, what he said was, like in baseball, if you show a tool, that tool is going to carry throughout your career. And Matherin showed just in the first couple of weeks with how well he was scoring and how well he was shooting, that that's going to be something in his back for a while. But as long as we're talking about rookies, rookies, we should probably talk about Paulo Bencero, the guy who, like, Bencero. Wait, sorry, who? God damn it! I knew it. I said it to myself before I went into that. But anyway, uh, 23 and a half points per game, 8.3 free throws a game already. Uh, Cram also sent me a list of guys who have done that in the three-point era, the, the free throws attempted part. Uh, he is bested only by rookie David Robinson, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, and Blake Griffin. Jeez. And... Listen, I know like LeBron comps are like sacrilegious at this point, becoming almost like a Jordan thing. When you do it, it just like opens up <laughs> Pandora's box of snark and, and caveats and, and et cetera, et cetera. But just the body control and the ball handling skills and like the vision of this guy at his size, six ten, is unbelievable. And I can't really think about and like it reminds me a lot of just LeBron's ability to do this nuanced stuff at like just this this huge size. I mean, he, and he feels so much bigger than young LeBron did. Like he feels like a yeah, 50 year yeah. player, right?
3: Like he feels <laughs> right. like a veteran who has come in, who knows how to read, who knows how to create advantages. And it's just like all there for him. And that these are always the great pleasant surprises for guys like us who are not like neck deep in draft analysis where before the season, I think the question with the magic was, can this be the driver of a of a potentially great offense down the line? And we're seeing every indicator we would possibly want that he has the skill set to do that stuff.
2: Listen, I'm I'm no Kyle man or KOC. Uh, go check out the new podcast about NBA draft prospects, by the way. However, when I watched Paolo play for the first time at Duke, I'm like, okay, what am I missing with this kid? He's freaking huge. He's got all the skills, and he has incredible feel. Like what? What? what what, what is this kid supposed to not be able to do at the next level when, again, sometimes when you don't have that size, you can have all the skill you want. The physicality of the NBA is going to create problems for you, right? And this guy, he just walks in day one and has no issue, no issues with the physicality, you know. And then, you know, there's certain guys, <clears throat> the dude in Houston, who don't have elite field. You know, and this guy has which sk- one? <laughs> right, right, fair. That that is that is fair. Um, this this guy has all three of those things in spades, and so yeah, he's he's looked really impressive.
0: I think the only surprise still with Ben Caro is that the Magic hid their choice for so long that we just didn't automatically assume that this guy was this world beater was who's was going to come in and be. You don't got to
2: hide your choice for number one. But like <laughs> I know this is weird but he
0: seems like such so much more of a surprise because of that Mm -hmm. and like now it seems clear as day that he always should have gone number one and it shouldn't have been a discussion but like flirting with jabari smith or using him as a decoy whatever they did just just made it seem like uh bancaro bancaro was uh was not as good as he has been i'm proud of you thank you Thank you. I've been working on it, clearly. You're my
3: biggest surprise this season, Justin. The fact that you're now <laughs> catching on,
0: finally, to Paolo Bancaro's name. Thank you. Didn't even file away in the su- suggestion box. You just gave it to me outright. Can I, uh, can I file some honorable mentions for surprises
3: yeah, this yeah,
2: season? Yeah, I, I got one honorable mention as well. Okay, I've got two. So You guys
3: hit yours first, because I got a laundry list over here.
2: Okay, my, my honorable mention is Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, who is just straight up and down an All-NBA player now. Like, this yep. is huge. It's, it's insane. It's not even a question. He's going toe-to-toe with Tatum and Brown like it's nothing last night. Uh, and he's been doing this all season long, and nobody can keep him out the paint. His jump shot, I remember going to all of those Clipper games, man, and Sam Cassell would be working with him every single day pregame. Um, on that jump shot and getting it off in different ways, and it wasn't that clean back then. Um, where he's gotten his jump shot to be since those those early Clipper days, and just you know, uh, online people talk about a bag. This guy has a bag. <laughs> like he has, he has an incredible bag. And so, yeah, Shea straight up just being bona fide All NBA player. Um, I don't know that I saw that coming this year. Maybe I should have. Uh, and because I've been traditionally, I've been a little bit lower than the consensus on Shea, because uh, I just thought there was way too much hand wringing when they got Paul George in there. I'm like, come on, fam, it's Paul George. But like, um, he's incredible this year. So, yeah, Shea definitely big surprise. My honorable mention.
0: Yeah, I had him on my list as well. It seems like the Thunder's mission this season was to convince Shea that he shouldn't ask for a trade because they are feeding him every possible opportunity to score points and to be a guy he's currently averaging 21 and field goals, uh, attempted a game at six in the NBA. And he's one of those guys in the 30 range now scoring wise. And he's just responded just by being that type of guy. And, I think that's important here. Like you kind of need to know if you're the Thunder, like who are are your pillars of the franchise going forward? And it's one thing to, to give someone the opportunity and they just put up empty calorie points. But I think Shea has done a good job of blending the player that was... Was talking about with the Clipper that kind of cerebral. He'll get you two steals, a couple blocks, a couple rebounds. In addition to making smart plays and and being a, a, a like a credible defender, the Thunder are actually pretty adequate defensively, surprisingly. But he's added on top of that being one of the best scorers in the NBA, and I, so and so it's like it's actually really encouraging to see who he is as a player just on a bigger platform and with more opportunities. And I think that's like more than anything going forward with the Thunder, who are they going to draft in the next draft, whether or not they get home that they thought they were going to draft next season. uh, I think this is is one of the most encouraging signs in Thunder basketball in a couple of years, honestly.
3: Yeah, I would love to see the list of guards who have a better in-between game than Shea right now in terms of like floating range, high paint, all of that mid-range stuff. He's just aces and and he and he can get to the rim, too. And so the fact that he has all of those components right now at that high usage rate, like that is an out and out star. That is that is a killer taking the leap, absolutely,
0: ok. So I also had Deer and Fox for similar reasons. Uh, the kings have become uh, league pass darlings as we expected. But Fox has really settled into, I think, the player that he's probably was destined to become. I think like for a while, we weren't really sure who he was. I think, like, to start with, we thought, oh, yeah, he's going to be a speedy defender and it's like, oh, maybe not the defense. And then he, like, he shot so poorly as a rookie from three-point range and then he came on, I believe, his second season. It's like, oh, maybe he is uh, more of a shooter than we thought. And then he's kind of vacillated in this in-between zone where we weren't really sure. To the point where, like, last year we were talking about him and potential trade packages for, like, the Sixers and the Blazers and some of these other teams is kind of a guy that you did not want. But I think he's kind of settled in in this new Sabonis Fox led Kings team as like this nice little version where he's, yeah, he can like zip down the lane and like get people on their heels and score at the bucket. But he's also developed this like nice little mid range game. And so uh, I, I don't know. I think he's just like this, this nice version of all the, the different possible versions that Fox has become. And, and, and that has led to decent results for the Kings thus far.
3: Well, he's one of those guys where just it seems like the feel has improved. We knew he had this. We knew he had the speed. He was starting to put together in terms of just like a body of work over his first couple years in the league. Just that like general experience of like how to find guys, how to set things up, how to trigger certain actions. And now that's all finally coalescing and coming together in a way that, look, for some guys, it takes five or six years for those things to click. And when you're moving as fast as De'Aaron Fox is moving, <laughs> maybe it just takes a little more time for some guys. And so there's, there's no question he's made huge strides as a, as a game manager, as a guy who is like setting up and controlling possessions. He just looks a lot more advanced than he
0: did in the, over the previous seasons. Yeah, I had one more quick one. Uh, Russell Westbrook shooting 34% from three. Oh. Fifth best among his rotation players. That's a fucking positive surprise, I'll say. <laughs> it is a positive surprise.
3: Here, here's, here's some other candidates for you guys. How about the Portland Trailblazers and the NBA's sixth-ranked defense right now? The that best is. tied for best in the Western Conference by record.
2: When's the last time Portland had a good defense? It's been a minute. They were adequate
0: at times, like when Nurkic first got there, and that is often when they had their best teams, but it never got to the point where they were good.
2: Right. Turns out you get a bunch of big ass wings who play hard and, you know, have some level of defensive IQ and know how. Good results. Good, Good results. results, Neil
3: <laughs> Uh, How about Santi Aldama is an NBA starting caliber power forward for the Memphis wow. Grizzlies? Just plug and play.
2: Very hipster of you, but go ahead with your bad self. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, we already shouted out Jason Tatum, but I think he's been even better than we could have expected coming yeah. into the season. Uh, the Suns are just humming along despite yeah. everything. And despite yeah. the fact that as we might get to in a little bit, Chris Paul has not exactly looked himself when he's been on the court this season. Um, Nick Claxton, if you're listening, it's not your fault. I want you to know you're doing great, buddy. <laughs> keep it up.
2: Good bull hunting. <laughs> uh, to, keep, to keep with the Kings...
3: Kevin Herter having an incredible bounce back season for them. He's been awesome. On, uh, well, this is a list.
2: This is, on, is longer,
0: this is longer than Kyrie's list of things to get back on the team.
2: Uh, like for me, that's not a surprise for me. Because again, I'm 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 a car carrying member of Herder Hive. Like that's that's documented. That like everybody knows that. Uh, did you I think was,
0: he would look this cool with a headband? Oh, good question.
2: No, I did not. Um mm white guy headband move is always a dicey proposition but he's managing it quite well unless you do like the you know like the like the headband that um is sort of like flat right it's sort of like a like a spandex almost not the mm-hmm. traditional yep. allen iverson headband that's that's tough for the white homies to pull off and and kfon is it's killing it
0: yeah let me tell you that that's a tough one <laughs>
2: So just just to clarify, Kevin Herter (laughs)
3: shooting 51% from three, not a surprise. That's That's, that's business as usual for Waz.
2: That's a little surprising, but yeah, I I thought the Hawks were kind of foolhardy to let that dude go. I know they wanted to open up rotation minutes and all of that, but guy his size, his skill, shooting. I know I sound like his agent whenever I talk about (laughs) Kevin Herter, but I love the guy.
3: The the Hawks might have a case too, though, for making the Trey and DeJounte mix look Pretty easy for two for two all-star caliber guards playing together.
0: Sure. Anybody else, Rob? How about, uh, how
3: about, how about Tari Eason and KJ Martin, who've been nice little bright spots for a very, very bad Rockets team. Very bad.
0: Anthony Lamb. You want to throw him in there? Ty Jerome?
2: Ty Jerome actually has been a nice surprise. Anthony <laughs> Lamb, less so. Another surprise, which um, I have, I've shared with you guys privately, but not on this pod. Shen Goon, man. Um... As literally the only organizing principal on that team, I was there when they played the the Rockets. Where it's like he's literally the only person who understands functional basketball. Everybody else is basically a chicken with their head cut off, except for Ke- um Kenyon Martin. Uh, he's pretty good actually. Yeah. I like him. Uh, but Shangoon is like no, like I'm the he's the floor general of the team. So yeah, I know I've done a lot of Shang-Goon bashing on this podcast. But I do want to say, first time ever watching him in person and not on TV, and you realize he's communicating everything to the entire team whenever he's on the floor. He's basically the coach on the floor, which I hesitate to say about a white European guy, but it's just the truth. Um, yeah, shouts to Shengun. I, I, that surprised me.
0: <laughs> Can't
2: play defense,
0: but yes. Nah. Well, welcome welcome Who'd to the it? church of Shengun. We hook shot our our wafers into the communal oh, basket it was a,
2: it was abuse <laughs> what he was doing to Zoob. that was mean that was that was just downright mean what he did to Zoob that night
1: this episode is supported by state farm man i remember when i first got into a car accident it was pure frustration because i did not have state farm and now that i do have state farm it is an exclamation of pure joy
0: just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. All right. Should we pivot now to our biggest disappointments? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Waz, we were just talking about the god Anthony Lamb, would you like to talk about the guy who's not supplanting him in the rotation, but one of them?
2: So, Steve Kerr comes out last night after the game where they blow out uh, San Antonio and basically Wiseman's out of the rotation. He's been supplanted by the aforementioned Lamb who was a training camp cast off, gets signed to a two-way, and he is thoroughly outplaying your second pick, third year big, right? Allegedly a franchise big. Uh, Wise the Warriors, I think, have a 127 defensive rating in Wiseman minutes this season. Yeah, I, I, it's all bad. <laughs> it's all bad. And Steve Kerr is like, "Yo, I'm sending this guy to the D league. I mean, excuse me, the G league." Uh, and this is disappointing. This is a disappointing outcome. He's just, I, I get it. He hasn't played any real meaningful basketball, so he doesn't have the reps. And, you know, I guess t- to flip to the bright side, this is what the G League is here for. Kavon Looney did a bunch of stints in the G League. He's probably Steve Kerr's favorite player of all time now. Uh, same with Jordan Poole. He did a bunch of stints in the D League. Those guys weren't number two picks. Uh, this is, this is tough. You know, a guy that got, that got picked before people like Mellow Ball and Halliburton and, and all of that kind of stuff. Whew. It's, it's bad, y'all. It's disappointing.
3: I'm very curious to see what his G League experience is like because they run the gamut. As you mentioned, like Jordan Poole, great example of how a little bit of time there can be really transformative. But for most guys who go to the G League, if you're as talented as James Wiseman, unless you are incredibly disciplined, you put up a lot of junk stats you get a lot of like janky post-ups against really small competition (laughs) and it doesn't really do anything for you. So like, I I really hope I'm sure the warriors are sitting him there with very specific instructions on what they wanted to see from him. I hope that they're able, I will hope he's able to deliver on that. And I, I hope the system is able to deliver on that because this is not about like James Wiseman. Can you put up 24 a night against G league competition? That's not really useful for anybody.
0: Well, I think it's a Wiseman issue for all the reasons you guys talked about. And as we talked about in the last podcast, he just doesn't seem like he has any sense of comfortability on the court right now on both ends. But I also feel like it's a Warriors issue, too, for the reasons that we talked about because of this two timeline track. Like he should be getting these sorts of opportunities on an NBA team for a non title contender as is typically the type of team drafting that high in the draft and be able to work through his issues against the Shen and against the Bruno Fernando and all these other guys, not against like guys who he could easily just step over and, and score 24 points on. So yeah, Wiseman has some things he needs to work on and I don't want to completely write this off as uh, a warriors 2 track sort of thing, but I think it's fair to say that like this is, Potentially, this sort of approach from ownership and the coaching staff might honestly be like just handicapping their future more than it's helping because they just don't have the opportunities to give these guys regular minutes without the the burden of winning games in fucking
3: November. So your problem is with the broader approach, though, and not specifically sending Wiseman to the G League.
0: No, I actually don't think it's symptomatic
3: of the problem to you.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think it should be stigmatized as, as much as it probably still is to the point where like,
2: nah, it shouldn't like, be stigmatized.
0: Like, this isn't a shame to be going down to the G League a couple of years ago, where it was very clear that like he should oh. be playing there. Oh. This,
3: J- Justin, I got bad <laughs> news. That was not a couple of years ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there are multiple stints, but when he was still with the Grizzlies, I think they sent him down there, and it was like, oh god, this is bad. Um, it's not that sort of situation, but like. I don't know, man. Like, like, how is this not as much the Warriors' fault for just not having adequate minutes to throw at him, so he could play like ten to fifteen minutes a game and have to worry about the fucking results?
2: I mean, but he's so bad <laughs>
0: it's
3: in a those point. minutes.
2: It's, it's a good rebuttal. They kind of tried saying? it, you know. He's so yeah. ba- and and you know to Rob's point about the 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 um the what you do in the G League when you're a guy of his talent and his pedigree is just, you know, essentially treated like LA Fitness. And I know this is, like, the seventh podcast in a row where I'm going to invoke European football, but, like, if the Warriors could somehow put this dude on loan and have him go play in, like, Israel or some shit, that would be more beneficial. Obviously, that's not a thing, but that, like, he'd be playing, like, a real (laughs) league, right? Like, where you actually, like, had to some level of defensive discipline um, would have to be adhered to to have success. Like, that would be cool if he could play in, you know, Spain or somewhere um, and get minutes that way. That's not, obviously, It's not a thing in basketball. You know, Rob just made me think, like, is he even going to get the opportunity to improve this positional? Because the stuff that he's doing, if you watch him, guys, he's reacting, like, two seconds. Two seconds is an eternity by the way in a given defensive possession just in the wrong direction just just delayed reactions then it's not like he's been some world beat on offense either he's he's pretty bad there too it's just it doesn't matter that much because the warriors have so many gifted offensive players it's not a big deal but what he's doing on he's just lost he doesn't know what he's doing and so He has to go out and learn this somewhere. And, uh, you know, you wonder if the G League is going to be where that happens.
0: Um, Rob, do you have anyone you want to bring up here?
2: I mean,
3: it feels like the Nets are an easy disappointment for the season for lots of reasons. I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to lob that in there and keep it moving because I don't really want to talk about the Nets anymore. Um, To another team I don't really want to talk about because we've already spilled plenty on them. But how
0: is this not the Lakers? <laughs> like
2: I, this is so bad. It's so I actually don't think t- we've
0: talked about the Lakers that much.
3: Yeah. We probably haven't at least since like the very, very early stages of the season. But to me, what makes the Lakers the biggest disappointment is at this stage, right? Like, we're looking at where they are right now at three and 10, near the bottom of the Western Conference standings. They have one of the best players in NBA history on the roster, and there is just no glimmer of light off in the distance. No. They're just staring into the void of
0: an 82-game season. Yeah. And it, they have to realize it's all meaningless. Like, there's nothing for them here. Well, Rob, I don't know if you saw, but Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant might
2: be back by the end of the week. <sighs> Look, your, Dennis Schroeder's your... actually going to help. That's the thing. That's that's the crazy yeah. thing about that. He's, he's going to make it better. Not that he's going to make them good. He's going to make things better, which is just like in 2022, if like... Dennis Schroeder is going to meaningfully improve your rotation. Holy moly! Yeah. Um Another team that I've uh, team and player combo that I've been a little well, bit can, disappointed.
0: Can we can we talk about the Lakers a little bit more here? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because I also have written down Rob Palinka specifically. Yeah.
2: You're disappointed in Rob Palinka. Had, yeah, which is which is tough high to do. Hopes for him? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The bar is absolutely low.
0: Him getting an extension was like giving an Enron executive a Christmas bonus right before they turn the lights off. I have no fucking idea what that guy has over that organization, but clearly, like he is living the most charmed life possible with the most uh perfectly iron cardigans that you could ever find at, at Macy's. Um, but I just don't know what is going on with him, with your organization, with the the power dynamics between him and LeBron and Clutch and whatever, where they are just so entrenched in the long-term vision of this team that they wouldn't even just trade for adequate players like a Buddy Heald, like a Miles Turner, as everybody's talking about. Like, what is is a a 2027 and a 2029 first-round draft pick going to get you long-term? Like, are you just so... Eagle bruised from the fact that you might give the Pelicans Victor and Yama, which would be quite honestly one of the biggest disasters of all time. That like you just don't want to keep like burying yourself long term, and like wouldn't it just help to be to make the most out of this situation if it's going to get bad regardless? I just like I cannot wrap my head around like what the fuck this team is doing.
2: You know, you know what would be nice, uh, Justin leadership from the top. They have none. They're a leaderless organization. Jeannie Buss is not a good leader. She's just not. Like, there's all the rumors and innuendo about her inner circle and blah, blah, blah. You don't even have to entertain that. Just all of the things um, Justin just outlined about Rob Palenka's job and his tenure and the job that he's done constructing this roster. The idea that the leader of this organization paid this man more, gave him an extension behind that? That's all you need to know. They're leaderless. They don't have direction. Um, Jeannie Buss is a bad owner. She's a bad manager. She doesn't know what she's doing. It's clear as day. That's why this thing is a mess.
3: That's how you end up with this roster. And I, Am I crazy or did someone on this podcast come in preseason and was like, you know what,
0: Kendrick Nunn,
2: yeah, he was doing the zig. A... He was doing the Lakers are good. zig. you know, well, hold on. The
0: I specifically did not put them in my next section, which is preseason Mulligan, because I stand by the take that wow. had they just traded those goddamn draft picks for credible rotation players. This wouldn't be as bad as it is today because their problem is now is that it's so bad that it's almost impossible to dig yourself out of this hole. If they were, five and five or somewhere around 500 would be like, this is kind of a disaster, but like maybe if XYZ goes right, right. But now it's just like, what is the point in even rolling out of bed in the morning and suiting up? That's how bad this has gotten purely because of Polinka's ownership's decisions.
3: It's a, it's a one day at a time, one foot in front of the other kind of season for, for our friends in LA. So best of luck to, to Lonnie Walker and company.
2: All right, wise. Which team are you gonna pivot to? Uh, Cat in Minnesota. I'm 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 pretty disappointed in both. Uh, it's just I don't know. There's something weird about Cat. It's not that he's not a talented player. It's just his leadership style and his just inability to execute basic. Defensive ideas, and I get that Rudy has his offensive limitations, and you know it's it's kind of sagged The team, and they need to be more creative about working that around. Like I'm of the mind, like is this dude the guy that needs to get shipped? You know, um, maybe get him if you can if you can get stuff for him, meaning rotational guys and maybe some picks. Maybe get Cat out of there and just unclog that whole thing and just let it be about. Anthony Edwards and him finding himself as you know a potential superstar in this league because the Minnesota thing has been a little disappointing and I think the cat thing has been like man this, I'm, I'm not a fan of how he's comported himself so far this season yeah even
3: when it has worked it's felt like a little brute forcey and I don't mean that in the sense of like oh they're like a big bruising team I mean it's like it's not cat finding elegant solutions to the spacing problems. It's him just like driving really hard at somebody and it kind of works, but in a way that doesn't always feel all that sustainable. So like I, he is a guy who like in terms of decision-making you often wonder about, you know, like he does commit a lot of offensive fouls. He does have a lot of like bad turnovers that then lead to like bad effort and transition and stuff like that. He's just not someone you trust as your best player necessarily to read the floor in a consistent way. And we're seeing some of that manifest with with their struggles offensively. I mean, they're, they're a
0: tough watch on offense. There's no way around that. I think it's worse than that, though, because to Waz's point, I just don't think guys want to really listen to him. Like, when he's saying stuff like, Anthony Edwards shouldn't eat Popeyes, and like, we really need to be gritty and dirty, and people are just outright roll your eyes. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with Popeye's. I'll say that exactly. first
3: and foremost, <laughs> like well, welcome to, welcome to group chat, suggest suggestion box sponsored by Popeye's <laughs> starting next week.
0: Please. Uh, no, but like, I just don't think he's like a guy that people want to rally around. Like it, not, not to do the whole Justin mentions Anthony Davis. So drinks sort of thing, but like for the same reasons, Anthony Davis is a best player, not a leader. I think cat falls into that territory. He's, as, absolutely offensively gifted and would be a boon for any team on uh, in, in this league, but I just think it's tough when you try to empower your best player as a leader of the franchise. That's really now the role that they're suited for. That's why you hire guys like Pat Beverly and, and whatnot to do that job, and it just seems like they kind of got rid of those guys, and Rudy
2: and some of the new guys haven't filled that void yet. What do you think the Knicks will be willing to give up for Carl Anthony Towns? <laughs>
1: Everything just that saying. isn't nailed
0: down.
2: Just saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, any other disappointments here?
3: Yeah, I, I got some honorable mentions. I mean, starting with Kawhi Leonard not really playing basketball so far. Not great. Okay. Don't love it.
2: Going to be talking to Law Murray on our podcast. Uh, there we go. At the end of the week. Going to get really deep into that. Yeah. We're really just
0: feeding the weekends of, uh, with Waz Podcast. Oh, the the I <laughs> KOC
2: and Kyle some love, too. Come on now. Okay. It, we, we promoting everything here. Yeah, this is a straight
3: pipeline, we are the G League to weekends with Waz on Fridays. Yeah. That's apparently what's happening. Uh, all right, so we got Kawhi. Uh, how about the Pistons, who I think we were all pretty excited about mm, and have just yeah. been extremely bad. Extremely bad. Um, it's
2: hard to be disappointed in that when it's like, you know. <laughs> it's not a bad
3: thing for them ultimately. Yeah, you know, yeah, like exactly. like That might be That's where they I need mean, to be.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, to keep on the Minnesota point, D'Angelo Russell, who just does not have it, He's not you know, a good
0: nba player. <laughs> yeah.
3: Not not that's, really working out too that was, well. That
2: was uh that's never never part of that.
3: CJ McCollum's jump shot right now? Not not great. A little concerning. Hoping he can turn that around for a player at his size and um anti-semitism.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: not All right, great. Um, Just saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely disappointing when that is evoked. Yeah. Um uh, Number five on our list here, preseason Mulligans. Uh, which take do you want back already? I'll bring up mine just because uh, why, uh, Rob kind of alluded to them there. It is not the Lakers.
2: Are you, sure? Is not, Are you sure
3: you don't want to walk that I'm back? I'm sure.
2: It's not even the Nets, who I feel like I adequately hedged oh, yeah, you against. Did, you did say they were a championship-level team. Yes, you did say that. If
1: <laughs> if they just like engage in
2: the product... Uh, did yeah. not expect
0: <laughs> motions at literally yeah. every every yeah. damn thing. Um I have the Clippers here, the team that I picked as the title favorites number 1 mm. in our preseason power rankings. I will never believe in the Clippers ever again. Yeah, I don't, don't care do if Kwai comes back with extra legs and limbs on him <laughs> like I just don't want to ever if he put comes any back as a centipede. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just shooting multiple balls at once. Um, he's back like to five he comes on five. His
2: doctor octopus. <laughs> yeah.
0: Wears cool goggles on the court now. Um, he's back to five to five, and yet Ty Lue is saying he looks pretty good. Still has a ways to go. I don't know if this guy is going to show up ever again on an NBA court, and I'm I'm really tired of of trying to track it all. And so the Clippers are. A five hundred team with what they have, and it's fine. Like maybe there's like some silver lining there, but yeah, no, never again is title favorites for me.
3: Yeah, see, I hate watching the Clippers right now. It's very disappointing that Kawhi isn't playing, and I'm I'm still there, baby. I'm still wow. waiting. Wow. I'm still wow. waiting for the Clippers to be good. Paul George uh,
2: looks incredible. By he's the way. been really good, and he and some of the guys so who started,
3: good. some of the guys who started slow are starting to round into form with their shots too. So look, they're not going to be anything if without Kawhi. Uh, but hopefully, at some point, we get to see him play basketball again. Maybe even as soon as this week, reportedly.
2: So, my mulligan, um, guys, and my zeal to be dismissive of certain small market teams in America's heartland, I, I was very dismissive of Utah and OKC. Um and to be honest, they have put on the floor some of the most fun NBA product that we got this season. Both of those teams. Their guys play hard. They play in unison. There's legitimate talent out there on the floor. <laughs> Lori Markkinen. <laughs> and it's just, you know, I would definitely like to take that back because I was definitely like, all right, let's... Get this small market, rebuild, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know, plucky, whatever. Get it out of here. I'm good. I don't need to hear about it. And these guys, you know, uh, they, they put together some fun, interesting basketball teams. And, and so, yeah, yeah. Shouts to OKC and Utah for that.
0: To be fair, anytime anyone from Utah or any reporter suggests that Utah was not trying to tank, is 100% full of shit. They literally traded their three best players ostensibly, at least their two best players and a couple other quality rotation players for draft picks and young guys who are at best like middle tier first round picks. So this idea that like they expected something like this to happen or they were trying is, I'm sorry to say for everyone in Utah, horseshit. But I am glad that they are now here and, and doing well. That's like, it's one of the best stories in recent NBA history that th- they've been able to blow past expectations this more. But again, horseshit. Well, the Jazz
3: actually tie nicely into my mulligan, too, because the other night I watched the Jazz play the Sixers, and Joel Embiid had what was one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen, just completely abusing. Kelly Olynyk, among others with little face up jumpers with every kind of move possible inside just a completely dominant offensive game and if not for Colin Sexton missing a wide open Jordan Clarkson and not passing it to him the Sixers were probably going to lose that game they very mm-hmm. nearly lost maybe I mean Joel's highest career high in scoring probably his most dominant performance ever maybe the most dominant performance you've seen from any player this season and man. I I, w- I wouldn't say I was a true believer in the Sixers in the preseason, but I was too bullish on a team that has some pretty clear issues. And um, I don't want to say anything too wild about this team while Harden's still out, but there's like enough elements there that are pretty off that I'm starting to kind of slowly back away from my Sixers optimism and just hope no one sees me slink out the door.
0: Well, let me push back on that slightly, because on our next uh, little little segment here, I have... Whose stock are you buying low on from this point forward? I wrote down the sixers because at the least the like the statistical indicators suggest the team is actually better than what we've seen. Sixth best point differential in the East, which suggests that they're top six team, uh, clear-cut playoff team, not a play-in team. 10th best net rating. And now some of that has been cleared up by Harden not being on the court, but this would suggest that there's something simmering there down below that might be better than the muck that we've witnessed thus far.
3: I would hope that's the case. I think what is concerning me is not only do you have to figure out the Harden thing when he comes back, not only do you have to figure out will James Harden be a healthy player for the majority of this season and the games that matter when he comes back, but it's like PJ Tucker doesn't look super mobile and isn't really contributing offensively. The bench has been so come and go guys like Montrez Harrell, who I was really hoping would be an impact player for them off the bench. Now is like being moved around in the rotation where he isn't even like the straight up backup center. A lot of times for doc rivers. I don't know. It's just, I, I wish I could feel more confident. Cause I like a lot of the component parts. It, something just feels pretty off with that group.
0: Um, all right. So we, should we pivot to the bylaws since mm-hmm. I've already mentioned the Sixers? Yeah. Um, Woz, who do you have on your list,
2: man? Um, this this is gonna be a little controversial, but I, I'm buying low on Kyrie, and that's
1: because <laughs> oh, what
3: the fuck?
2: I'm telling you, literally, because this is a penny stock. This is this literally is worth the stock at this point, and I'm cheap, and this is why. It's just like I have to believe that this dude could just stop doing bullshit and play basketball and be there for his guys. Like, I have to believe that he has that in him. Like, somehow that he could just take his head out of his own ass and just be like, yo, let me just be a normal basketball player, play hard, show up for my guys, display my talent, that he's still a talented player. Like, he's got multiple games. We dropped 30 just this year. Like, he's still a... Like I have to believe that he can figure out a way to do this somehow. Like I know all of this shit about the the you know the redemption and all the stuff he's doing to get better and get right in the minds of ownership and management and all of that. Like I'm not even talking about that. I'm just like, bro, like, do you not have it in you to just show up and play competent basketball somewhere? Like I have to believe that's true, that he can redeem himself in that baseline way. This isn't even like a high bar, right? Not that he's going to come in and be the guy from 2016 winning finals for his team. But like a, a good NBA player who just puts his head down and shows up and collects a check. Like, god damn, this is what 99.9% of the league does every single day. How can you not be how can you be incapable of that? And so, yeah, I gotta I gotta buy uh, the penny stock that is Kyrie's um, career right now. I am
3: a broken man.
0: I am.
2: <laughs> My, my guy
3: doesn't even know how to use Instagram stories without spreading a crazy-ass documentary.
0: And we're buying low? We're buying
3: Buy in low. on
2: that. It's about as low as you get. <laughs> I, don't don't even... <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, you, you are doing the assignment, yeah. But I don't even think he's made it past like 20 to 30% of, of the, the checklist they had to get through to, to come back to the team. So
3: Big TBD on that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's put a bullet in that one. Uh, Rob, who do you have? So we, we talked a lot about how disappointed
3: we are in James Wiseman. Um, I wrote mm. for the ringer.com about why the back half of the Warriors rotation has been pretty much a disaster. And I laid out all my concerns there. And I did that because I wanted to artificially drive the price down so I can swoop in and get all this sweet Warriors <laughs> yeah. stock, because I'm going to tell you, they still have Steph Curry and they still have one of the best lineups in basketball. Mm. And if between now and the end of the season, they get one or two more competent players, yeah. Bing, bang, boom. They're right yeah. there in the title hunt again. Uh, yeah, so like James Wiseman can't really play basketball right now. Sure. You know, Clay Thompson has not looked great. You know, Jordan Poole has been pretty uneven to say the least. There's a lot of things going on, but I'm, I'm still relative to the rest of the West right now and every other team having questions, yeah. if not like just kind of a lower ceiling than where the Warriors can go. I'm still in on Golden State. I'm still scooping up stock.
2: I agree with you. And, and we centered our best player conversation around Giannis and Luca, but make no mistake, Steph Curry's right there. He's still, he is, man, if you guys watch what he did in the fourth quarter of that Cavs game, it was, it was just ridiculous. He is still right at the top of the heap of best players in the league. Um, You know, I, I throw Jokic in there. I throw a few guys in there, but like Steph is that guy they just got to fix up their rotation a little bit, as Rob already mentioned. Uh, I don't see how you could... If you're writing off the Warriors, I don't think you know anything about NBA basketball, to be honest.
0: I also have pulled down specifically on my list mm. because he had 36 against the Spurs uh, last night on Monday night. And while in the in the mid uh coach's interview break the guy was asking pop what was his favorite animal and the spurs were getting blown out by like 30 at one point so i don't think that's probably the best measure of jordan pool's uh nba skills but he's been too bad for too long here and I, I just don't think like that is an accurate assessment of who he is as a player like the, the the bounce back is coming it's going to happen it's just a matter of when and i say that as someone who's not a big pool party enthusiast, both Jordan Pool and also literal pool parties. Um, but I believe Jordan Pool is a player in this league and he should be fine.
3: What's your move at the literal pool party? Are you like lounging on the side? Are you out there splashing around? Are you lounging in the chair? What are you doing? Not going at all. I thought you just said you were a fan <laughs> of
0: pool parties. No, I said I'm not a fan of pool parties. Oh, okay. Parties. I'm backing away. I missed church. Are you? You hitting the, the Dallas pool scene as a youth? I love a pool. Come on. Give me on the <laughs> sun. Let's do it. Okay. Um, anybody else you wanna mention here? By Lowe's?
3: I don't think we, we need to give away too many of our stock tips, you know? Like we need to save some for us.
0: <laughs> Waz, do you wanna make the case for a Myers Leonard comeback? You wanna you wanna just complete the <laughs> set here? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Myers Leonard, um, no, no. <laughs> last, <laughs> by age, the last guy that got in um, into something anti-Semitic NBA related, like this dude was on the fringes of the league already. They was like, get the fuck out of here. Kick rocks. Like Kyrie Irving is clearly a starting player in the NBA, if not borderline all-star. They usually find ways to make that work if you don't behave like a complete lunatic, which, you know, again, remains to be seen. Okay.
0: Um, maybe we'll get into that more next time. But remember, suggestion box gc at gmail dot com. Get those suggestions in of all shapes, all sizes. Say hello. Ask me how's my day's going. Ask Rob what he's doing at the pool party this weekend. Um, but we'll be back next week, same time, same place. Uh, thank you to Eduardo Ocampo for filling in on production. We'll see you.